Hello and welcome to the West End Workout Show podcast, episode two with Rosie Devey. Say hello, Rosie. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining. And Rosie is going to be talking to us and answering some questions all to do with the menstrual cycle, training and nutrition around it, and a bit of pre and postnatal chat as well. That sound good, Rosie? That sounds spot on. Yeah, sounds good. So if you want to uh, introduce yourself a bit, Rosie, and your business and your, your specialist subject, and then after that, we can, we can fire away with the rest of the stuff for the listeners. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much for having me um, on the podcast and thanks for those that are obviously listening in. Um, and I would also like to say congratulations listening in and taking some informative approach to your menstrual cycle and obviously just regarding your pelvic health and training. Um, so I, Simon says I am Rosie Davey and I basically have a business called Pelvic Health Physiotherapy with my first name first. Um, I use my name just as my logo basically because that seems to get around with regards to word of mouth um, I work um, part-time NHS in pelvic health and obstetrics and gynecology um, and I specialize in this privately as well um, with regards to clinics in Glasgow I have one in Jordan Hill um, that I work out from from West End Physio and the other one I work from is called Strong Like a Mother Gym in Kinning Park um, so the reason I work from that gym is I suppose I, I use the facilities quite a lot with regards to rehabbing postnatal females that want to train again and get back into lifting and the West End Clinic's very close to my home. So both have quite different vibes. Um, the website www.rosiedavyphysiotherapy.com. You can find all information there regarding what appointments I have and where to find me and what the clinics are like. So yeah, so thanks for having me. And I was saying to Simon earlier, it's really, really good for him to approach the subject. A lot of um, trainers, especially male trainers, can, I don't know, can shy away from it or find it too complicated or bringing it up maybe with clients or clients mentioning to them. It's a bit of a kind of unknown field. So I think it's really, really excellent for Simon to approach me and ask him to come onto the podcast. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, speak to, you, to chat to you all today. Oh, you took that like a pro, Rosie, for your first podcast. Very, very well done. Very well done. And you're completely spot on, Rosie, right? And as, as, a, as a male trainer, a male PT, it's not just not knowing about the menstrual cycle. It's not understanding the actual emotions, what, what a woman's going through, when their hormones are changing. And we can sit and read our books and, and get our lectures all we want, but we don't actually feel it, which is, which is why I thought it was important to get you on, um, not only as an expert in your field, but also as somebody who actually has to experience every part mm -hmm. of it. We also know from you training with us before that you're a keen weightlifter. So it ties in perfectly, not, over be, not only being an expert in this field, but also being somebody who wants to train, someone who wants to be strong, somebody who wants to be fit and somebody who wants to be healthy. So the perfect combination. So thank you very much. Okay, so let's start off then, Rosie, with the most important thing. Can you explain to us a little bit more and in a little bit of depth about the menstrual cycle? Yeah, so everything you read can be quite confusing. Um, some um, things you read might suggest that it's three stages. Some other things you read might suggest there's six phases. Um, and some other things might suggest there's four phases. I like to keep it to four phases to keep it quite simple. But if I was having someone who particularly 
was having certain symptoms on one of those weeks, we'd have to delve a wee bit more into a bit more understanding of what stage of that week it, it was happening and things like that. So the cycle roughly on textbook should be 28 days, but we know that can vary from 28 days up to 35. So within those two brackets, it's normal. And the first thing is actually having a cycle and having a bleed is actually now shown to be one of the signs of life. So it's very, very healthy to have a cycle. Um, and I would suggest that any females who aren't on any contraception that would change that cycle, if they aren't seeing that cycle happening regularly, then there could be a real um, concern to why they weren't having a natural bleed. Um, usually in athletes or training, it's usually to do, do a diet and decrease body weight and things like that. Um, so the first stage of the cycle is really from your first day of your bleed that starts, and that's your first day of that full new cycle kind of starting again. So we'll roughly go in 28 days because that's the kind of textbook style, and that's called the flicker stage, basically. So that starts from day one, and it goes on to about day 14. So day one to day 14. After that day 14, we then get a cycle called the ovulation time. It's basically when you begin to ovulate into your kind of cycle and that changes into the kind of phase that no one really likes. And this is called the luteal phase of your cycle. So the follicular phase really has two weeks. You have your ovulation in the middle of those two weeks and then you go into the luteal phase, which has another two weeks at the end. And that's when we ramp up into kind of PMS symptoms. We kind of usually have mood changes, sleep disturbances, all these things. So the first two weeks actually from your bleed to your ovulation is a good time. <laughs> and then just past your ovulation, after that estrogen peak, we tend to kind of decrease. But it's all about the balance of estrogen and progesterone. So those two female hormones that basically fluctuate quite a lot throughout those kind of four weeks. So actually, in conclusion, you've got a different cycle, different hormone relationship happening each week for four weeks. And that can drive you insane because <laughs> you just want to be regular for the four weeks. I would say, though, your cycle and your main cycle shouldn't prevent you from taking part in exercise. It shouldn't be so bad that you are in extreme pain. And it shouldn't be so heavy that you feel that you're you're in iron depletion and things like that and quite kind of lightheaded. So your cycle should be relatively have symptoms there, yes, but nothing should prevent you from feeling that overwhelming sensation of really feeling out of your depth and a bit unwell. So that would usually involve some, some investigation regarding your GP. Brilliant, Rosie, brilliant. And so we've broken down the menstrual cycle into phases. Can, and you mentioned it a little bit there. Can we talk um, a touch about the hormones and, and how that may affect us in terms of our training? Yeah, let's just mm -hmm. go training to begin with. Yeah, so your oestrogen your is your, basically it's your feel-good hormone, it's what makes us happy, um, it's your energy as well, so usually your cognitive function, your brain function, your um, quickness with regards to maybe like catching things or your perception becomes better, 
your energy levels become a bit higher as well. And then progesterone is really the kind of, it's not so much the feel bad hormone, but it's what brings us inflammation. It's what brings us um, basically that kind of lack of sleep, body temperature changes, um, sleep deprivation. So, and, and mood changes quite regularly as well. So it, it brings us those kind of like happy and low moods regarding our cycle. So in that phase one, you usually have quite a peak of estrogen. Well, at your first day of your bleed, your hormones are quite low, okay? So your hormones start very low from, from, from day one, phase one. And then slowly as that bleed starts to kind of come on, the bleed's kind of happening day on, your estrogen and progesterone levels begin to rise. So your estrogen levels will have the biggest peak in that first stage. So from the first two weeks before ovulation, roughly about day eight to day 10, you'll have a real increase of estrogen. It will start to drop down just before ovulation happens or during ovulation. It slightly peaks again, but not to as much as the first stage. And then it drops off again in phase four, just before your bleed starts to happen, okay? Progesterone is kind of the opposite. It stays quite low and it stays low again through the ovulation phase, and then it starts to rise as estrogen and decreases slightly in phase three. And then as phase four comes on, it will start to decrease, and then your bleed will come on. So your estrogen peaks, peaks, and then goes low, and then your estrogen is low, low, and then peaks. Okay, okay, perfect. And I suppose if we put that in extremely simple terms, then we would say in weeks one and two, we would have better weeks in terms of physicality. Mm -hmm. And in weeks three and four, we would maybe have slightly lesser perkier weeks. Yeah, yeah? so yeah, there's been a systematic review that's showing in that kind of in that phase four, so the last like the last week before your bleed, that actually Actually, your your athletic performance or your ability to do what you normally do in the gym is actually quite low. So not a lot of females will feel this. I think a lot of us will say, yeah, I do feel like that. But your actual ability to lift as heavy, to go as fast, to run as quickly, um, and your, your ability to kind of like do your plyometrics and your speed of those as well is all quite reduced in that last phase just before your bleed starts. And that's probably the phase that I would probably want most females to track is phase four. So the week before your bleed starts. Okay. I mean, mm -hmm. absolutely solid, solid information for anybody listening. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's, let's pretend now then Rosie that, uh, that I am uh, this female and I'm tracking my cycle and I've got it pretty bang on, right? I'm working with you and we went through it. We know where I am around and about with my 28 days let's say we are going through uh, a strength training program, right? Let's say we're doing relatively medium to heavy weights. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend that in the first two weeks when my estrogen is rising and I'm hitting my, uh, inverted commas, happy hormone much better, mm -hmm. it would be the optimal times for me to be lifting to my best or mm -hmm. to the best of my ability? And three and weeks three and four, would you say there's a necessity to taper off with what I was doing then? 
Yeah, so usually in the first two weeks, we're seeing that it's more beneficial to do strength training. So um, to hit that strength overload, like you were saying, you'll know more about your reps and sets than what I would. Um, and then also hit training, so speed training. So kind of like strength training, um, but short, fast sessions. And then we're expecting after ovulation to occur for more of our endurance fibers to kick in. So you'd probably want to do a strength session where you were dropping down the weight and you were focusing on maybe more sets and reps, or maybe you're, it wouldn't be a speed session you were focusing on, it'd be kind of, like a, kind of AMRAP style. So more just the, you had 20 minutes on the clock and you just had to work continuously at quite a good enough speed for you that you felt comfortable within that time frame. So yeah, so the first two weeks I'd be hitting speed work, cardio work um, and strength work and then just as your last two weeks starts to come on after ovulation I'd be hitting more endurance work long walks um, and and a still strength though strength still important to maintain there may be a different aspect to your strength training perfect sounds fantastic and that ties in really well with us as West End workouts because we uh, we have our program um, based between strength and uh, endurance type training so it will really help the ladies that are in my gym to be able to plan their plan their workouts mm -hmm. much more efficiently with our timetable around and about their menstrual cycle which is fantastic yeah very very, very very good information very very yeah. good. okay the next thing I wanted to talk about them is I wanted to talk about the negative effects we have during a menstrual cycle. So things like um, bloating, uh, mm -hmm. uh, cravings, lethargicness, and all the other bits and bobs that come um, around the latter stages of the menstrual cycle. Mm. Would you give the ladies any advice in what they can do to help with that? Yeah, there's so much. And I think as well, like going into your phase four, so your last week before your bleed starts, that is the week that you shouldn't really be smashing out PBs or like, especially regarding like cardiovascular, just not over pushing it. And I think I see that phase as keep your joints moving, keep yourself subtle and keep maintaining a certain level. Um, but that isn't the week to over push your body because chances are you're going to have much more PMS and much more fatigue actually on your bleed week. So the week before is a slight cooperation that's more like staying inside and staying warm and like hibernating before actually that bleed comes on. But we still want to exercise because exercise helps the symptoms, but it isn't the week to blast yourself into the ground. So I would definitely be tailoring off that week, keeping exercising, but focusing on that bleed week happening. I think with regards to a recovery format, if we take the last two weeks of your cycle, so from three and four, so just after ovulation, you get a spike in that progesterone, which causes inflammation. So supplementation that I would usually advise people to take is your omega-3s. So a kind of fatty, a kind of fatty kind of 
acid of it, like pill type, if you aren't quite happy to take pills, you're focusing on kind of fishy foods like salmon and tuna, um, those kind of like oily based um, foods, maybe nuts and things like that. And that's been proven to decrease your inflammation. And especially if you're hitting harder workouts or you are feeling a bit more sore, you can get a higher chance of DOMS as well in those two weeks. So I think actually recovery, the setting in some recovery times for your week is really important. So a stretch session, maybe maybe in between maybe like your your strength sessions. So like days of rest um, are much more important in those last two weeks. And magnesium as well, that tends to help joint pain and helps to help fatigue, especially for sleep. Um, magnesium is a really, really good thing. Um, what also happens in your phase three is you start, so your metabolic resting rate um, please correct me if I'm wrong and see that Simon, but your metabolic rate actually begins to increase. So you, you do tend to get cravings and the, the worst thing to, it isn't bad to take chocolate and things like that, but you would really want to try and just snack more on, on like kind of like, like carbohydrates, like an apple. So snacking is actually the gold standard thing to do in week three and four. So you might actually want to increase the amount of snacks you take that day. Obviously, I'm not saying go and reach for the big muffin sitting there because that's processed. You want to try and avoid avoid processed foods like the plague on, on your last week for your bleed because it makes symptoms a lot harder. And I've got an example of that actually for myself. Um, but I think with regards to carbohydrates, so I tend to take like a banana, I tend to take an apple, an extra apple a day to work that week and just fueling your kind of um, your metabolic rates, you're topping it up and that will help you to be more motivated to go to the gym. It will motivate you to feel better and you'll be less moody as well. <laughs> that hangry stage that us females can hit. So I think actually don't be so strict in yourself with your intake of carb, um, your calories that week. I think to increase your calorie intake in your carbohydrate sense, maybe into bread or pasta, things that will fuel you for longer, um, but definitely snacking on a, 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 a fruit or a protein bar and things like that is really good. Your protein should really be hit every week because that will help obviously recovery, it'll help inflammation and repair of muscles as well. So your, your protein actually is looked at as every week is as important for protein intake. And I can see that hugely on phase four before you go into that bleed stage to really hit your protein intake as well. Um, and the last thing is your antioxidants. So things like that would be like strawberries, and blueberries, um, they tend to have a really nice um, kind of like lowering down of those toxins in your body as well. So before going into your bleed, it's quite nice to increase your antioxidants that you might want to take as well. Um, a quite a good app to track food and to track your cycle and looking at ways of training and also even just recommendations for meals and um, um, sorry, like um, recipes um, is the Fit R Woman app. So it's F I T R and then woman next to it. So we blue um, square with a kind of like logo through it. I could, I could screenshot it to you, Simon, and send you it. Um, that's a really good app for you to track and it looks a bit more on, on diets as well. Um, and quite an interesting new thing that I've came. Um, to recently, I don't know, Simon, you might know it regarding supplementation. And there's a, there's a trainer recently um, talking about estro support. Okay. So 
estro support has it's also like, like like any kind of eastern support and it helps again with that kind of bloating um remit around about your, your digestion system it will help with mood it will help with fatigue and it helps with that kind of carrying excess fat right about kind of areas of your kind of upper thighs bottom and middle you'd really have to discuss with your gp if you were okay to be on that estro support um but that's quite a good thing to look into as well if you're quite keen that was a recent thing that i came across um, the, the bloating can come from re reasonably just eating maybe the wrong types of food and also you should bloat though so sadly if you're on a natural menstrual cycle you should have that natural bloat happening on those phase four just before your bleed starts because that's inflammation it's carrying excess blood your tissues come a bit more plumper at that stage as well but your pelvic floor comes a bit heavier as well tummy begins to round at that stage so that's a natural process, but if you're having excessive bloating that's causing you pain, I'd be really upping your fluids and making sure that your bowel health was moving and your digestive system was nice and healthy as well. Um, and there's ways that you can look into that. Um, and the other thing is caffeine intake. So on the last two weeks, sadly, <laughs> I still drink coffee though, but on your last or your cycle week, um, phase three and phase four, caffeine intake's been had seem to have a negative effect um, on your PMS and also your um, your kind of gastro and your bowel health as well. So again, causing bloating to happen um, and it actually might make you more fatigued. And then your actual your actual bleed week, caffeine also takes away your iron supplementation. Um, so your bleed week should be focusing on oranges, um, spinach, red meat, if you can, if you have that in your diet. So a lot of iron supplementation on your actual phase one and trying to stay away from, from caffeine as, as much as you can because that will really deplenish your iron levels that week and it's important to try and make a positive effect. There's a nice smoothie actually they talk about in the Fit R Woman app for phase one that's an iron supplementation smoothie and that's quite a nice refreshing drink to have in that phase one week. Sorry, there's so much there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's all good stuff. I could I could just keep listening and keep listening, but I'm here to ask questions, so that is what I should do. Okay, so all I've been doing, Rosie, right, is I've just been sat here sketching away on my on my green notepad as we talk. Um, basically making myself a little plan around my uh, pretend menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good. And then all I'm going to do, right, because obviously when someone's listening to this, we're going to talk and talk and talk, right? And I think we were saying 10 minutes ago, they're going to forget by the time we get to the end. So every time we get to the end of a, a little bunch of all of this valuable information that you're feeding us, I'm just going to squish it all down, right, mm -hmm. into little sort of bite-sized notes so that everybody can plug it into their ears right now, okay? Absolutely. Okay, so this is me. I am on it now with my menstrual cycle. I've listened to Rosie Davey and I've decided, you know what? I'm not going to let this get the better of me anymore. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. I'm going to train around it. I'm going to eat around it. And I am going to boss it. Okay, so weeks one to two, I'm really going to prioritize. We'll talk training first. My Strength first and foremost, and I'm going to train heavy and I'm going to train hard because my happy hormones are loving it. Okay. I'm going to work on some hits still, and I'm also going to work on some reaction type training, speed type training, right? Because now my, my reactions and my balance are at their, at their peak. Yes. Then in weeks three to four, I'm going to start incorporating much more stretching, a bit of a deload back off some of the heavy weights a little bit. Uh, but still throw in an element of strength training, just maybe a little bit lesser on the intensity, maybe a tiny bit more on the volume. 
-hmm. Yeah, my training yeah. plan pretty much sorted. Yeah. I would say one thing you might find at the very start of your bleed, um, yep. the strength, so those week one and two, you might find that your strength, you really want to focus on overloading just after that bleed begins to stop. So about day seven, day eight, day 10, those three days for evidence and systematic review have been shown that you can really overload muscles in those three days. Okay, so perfect. So if you were taking it very, very seriously and you had a note, you were doing your percentage mm -hmm. and you were building up to your uh, to your your max days or your or whatever whatever way you do it, right? Everybody, everybody's different. We would maybe do a gradual increase from day one until round about yeah. seven or day eight. That is when we would be like, right, let's fucking hammer it. Pardon my French. Okay. Yes. All right. Excuse Pretty me. Much, yeah. uh, I get carried away sometimes. Okay, perfect. So my training plan is on it, right? Then we'll dive into a little bit more about the food um, through the different stages. So in week one, I'm going to prioritize either iron supplements or food that contains iron, yeah? Due to the bleed. Mm -hmm. Then as I go on, the next time I'm really going to pay a hell of a lot of attention is when I start coming to, towards day 14 to day 28, Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to really make sure for one, I'm not eating processed foods or mm -hmm. filling myself with garbage because it's going to have no positive impact with the way that my hormones are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to either, and what I'll do is I'll just say supplement or natural, right? Supplement is if we're taking obviously a form of supplement and then naturally mm -hmm. we're getting it through our foods. Okay. So I will take much more omega-3 on board during mm -hmm. uh, weeks three to four. I will take on much more magnesium. I will snack because my metabolic rate has now increased. So am, am I right? A, a few of the things I have read says between two to 300 calories a day extra. Yeah. I know it's going to vary depending on type of person, the way they are and everything like that. But it's so hard. It's so hard. And some girls might not even feel it. Some yeah. girls might actually not want snack at all. Because yep. it's not the cycle, you know, even we were talking about all these things, it might not actually really vary for you. So if you don't feel the need to, then obviously you don't have to. But if you feel that you're really aged, and obviously for your clients or people coming to the gym, they can speak to you and be like, do you know what, actually that week I do feel like I need extra. And then you can maybe help them with that. My nutrition guidelines, you know, my answer limited in my knowledge of food, but I think roughly, um, yeah, I think 200 to 300. And you're not really, you're not maximizing out in a really high percentage of increased calories either. Like if you take it in the long scheme, you know, scheme of things, and actually if your metabolic rate is beginning to increase, then 200 to 300 increase, if I'm right, Simon, you can correct me, should be easily calculated in those two last weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. and and listen, it's some it's something it's something you're only going to learn, isn't it? By yeah. by actually going through it and testing it out. Like we could sit here now, say two, three hundred. Somebody come come in and be more. Somebody could could be in mm -hmm. miles. Yeah, off, but you don't mm -hmm. know through trial and ever. And um and like you say, you cover it there. And it's important for for coaches as well that are listening out there. If if a female client does come to you and they are seeing that they're a little bit more ravenous because a lot of females are in a caloric deficit, Rosie. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of ladies want to lose want to lose body fat as it is, right? And um they're already a little bit hungry. The last thing you want is for them to be hitting yeah. week three weeks four, be even hungrier. Um, and yeah. for them to 
need to be saying, well, fucking suck it up, princess, um, when really they should be saying, okay, well, let's let's add a few hundred calories in, mm-hmm. see how it goes from there. If it balances itself out, fantastic. If not, then we'll reassess it. Absolutely. Yeah. And important to remember the two to 300 calories or whatever it may be, the, the extra that you do have comes from quality sources, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe so, and yeah. Quality sources of carbohydrates. And, and and probably your antioxidants, like just looking at some sort of fruit mechanics, something quite, yeah, absolutely. Something anti-inflammatory, hugely. I think as well, in just before that week four hit, so if we're looking at like, again, days from day 14 to days 20, your body temperature also increases as well. So you get a lack of sleep that week normally. Um, so hydrations also, because if you're in a gym setting, and also not in Scotland because it's freezing outside right now, working outside, but if you were working out in higher temperatures or you felt a bit warm in a gym setting, you'd probably want to replenish your water intake as well because that could lead to bloating at that phase as well. Perfect, perfect. And then the, the last one, the last one before... Um... Before we jump away from that, we mm-hmm. talked about how key the protein aspect was. Mm-hmm. And this is something, Rosie, that I struggle with massively with female clients. And oh, really yeah. good for you to be on here to explain just how important it is, not just in general, but also for females around their menstrual cycle, especially if you're training, when you do become a lot more susceptible to injuries around about that week four yeah. start one phase. Absolutely. Really isn't it? If you're training, especially to get the protein in, but even if you're not to get the protein in anyway. I think regarding like your progesterone really, really brings on an inflammation. So if you are, you know, going through muscle, you know, to, to get stronger exercises, you almost cause muscle damage and that's in the natural process. Then if you're going to have DOMS and things with that and you're not letting your muscles to recover, their full potential then really the aspect of your training it wouldn't be as beneficial as well and you probably actually might feel more sluggish for that point I I tend to get sore if I don't have my protein impact as well like my partner he trains a lot and he goes on about protein and protein and and I think actually there's different ways females can can add protein though like see um like my protein they've got amazing stuff like I use them all the time for now food suggestions but I think from a recovery aspect, a replenish aspect, your collagen, your skin, even like your your inside your pelvic area, your pelvic floor, that collagen, that kind of that protein aspect will really help that collagen part recover from that. So I think it's just yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a really really gold standard. It, it, it doesn't even fluctuate week one, week two, week three, week four. It all says protein. Week four, you put your mum to hit more protein if you can. Um, before that bleed then comes on so again you're recovering yourself before that PMS symptom starts um, but some girls will find that they increase their protein in that week four they actually feel a lot better on the, on on that bleed start I mean for example for myself was I kind of flew off the chart as we always do in lockdown you're all bored and we got a Chinese takeaway actually for the first time in ages on a Friday night and my cycle was just starting, didn't think about it that weekend. And I was up all evening with the worst stomach pains I've ever had. I had my whole cycle and I was on the, oh, it was, it was honestly, it was so bad. And I was flummoxed for the full weekend, didn't train or anything. And I was like, what really caused that? Like, it's so weird. And actually it's crazy how much processed 
fatty, bad fatty foods is leading up to that bleed, it will make you feel so much more sluggish. So um, yeah, I, I really now program that into my um, into my routine now because it isn't worth it. Okay, <laughs> a, a good one there then, right? Because we all love a cheap meal, don't we, Rosie? Right? Mm-hmm. We all love a cheap meal. So if you've if you've got me now and um, we're planning out my nutrition as well. And I said to you, listen, there's no way I can do this without having cheap meals, right? I need summer. When would you say are the weeks, the times when I would be able to have a cheap meal and for it not to really put me on a downer? A sluggish. Yeah, probably your first two weeks. It's difficult though, because your appetite cravings are not as high in those first two weeks. So actually, if you are looking for a calorie deficit and to be healthy and you were going for a cheat meal, your appetite's lower, so you're probably going to eat less of it. Uh, whereas if you're when your appetite appetite's really increasing, your blood sugar levels are up to your, you know, your insulin's all over the place, then if you smack a big cheat meal, which you'll all want in phase three, you're going to really probably not really appreciate that in, in your bleed week. So again, like I said, every females different they might be really lucky and be absolutely fine um, and obviously this is kind of out with any female on contraception things like that but I think with regards to um, the first two weeks is probably the time to time to do that but I know you can't plan these things but you will feel better for it if you pick maybe the slightly healthier option maybe move for going out yeah and like you say you can't listen there's going to be times where we're going to do different things but at least if you know yourself right well it's coming up to that time. I fancy a Chinese, but I know what it does to me. I think you'll be a lot more likely to say, do you know what? I can hold off for another couple of weeks, yeah. or hold off for another 10 days. If I know that's going to cause me excruciating pain or set me back and put me off the gym for a few days, then I can hold off. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if I figure it out, I mean, this is me, me personally, right? I'm, I love routine. So yeah. if... If I was a lady, I would want to know all this info and I would want to try my hardest to make it as optimal as possible, my training, my food. Because listen, you could t- as much as it's it comes with its bad parts, Rosie, it also does come with a few little perks, doesn't it, which we can yeah. try and take advantage of. Absolutely, yeah, hugely. And I think as well with regards to like your, if you really were craving that kind of unhealthy food that week, try and think of like a recipe to make it like, so what I do when I'm, because I, I am like, I am craving chocolate and muffins and all these horrible things in week three and four. And um, I would say I, I've seen the bad benefits of that, of actually just eating the stuff. And I think now I'm starting to really appreciate the fact that, that isn't that isn't the right way to go. But you can make things so much more like like less calorie and more protein by putting a bit of protein in things. You're baking stuff or like make protein snacks like on your when you're when you're feeling good in your first two weeks. So week three, you've got things there that you can replenish on. So you can actually really be really productive. And if you are on top of your, um, if you are eating well, you're eating your protein, you're hydrating yourself, you're keeping moving and you're not blasting yourself into the floor. Those last two weeks don't have to be difficult. They don't have to be um, hard. And I just think knowing what's causing it is also reassuring, you know? I think if you are up all night and you're awake and you're like, God, why? If you know that week you don't sleep well, that week you aren't productive. So why don't you 
if you can set your alarm a bit later in the morning or set a bit earlier in the evening um, or just make life a bit easier for yourself, get you up in the morning. So make yourselves like snacks and put them in the fridge and just make your life a bit easier that week because your mood and things, you'll appreciate that easiness of things. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a healthy thing to have though as well, your cycle, but you can definitely use it to your full advantage that life's a bit more comfortable for you. Yep, superb, superb, Rosie, fantastic. Okay, now I, I feel like now we have gave everybody a superb little base to work from in terms, in terms of their training and their nutrition around the menstrual cycle. I would love it now in the time that we have left with you if mm -hmm. we could cover a little bit. Oh, should we start it back to front? Yes, let's start it back to front. <laughs> let's go for after the baby's first, okay? Mm -hmm. So I would love to know and I'm sure everybody else would, what our ladies who have had a baby, not straight away, I'm talking like nine, 12 months down the line, even a few years later, and maybe they, they haven't took the plunge to get back into the training. Mm -hmm. What would be your, your first bit of advice? And then how would you advise them going forwards over the first let's say three to six months, because when they do come back, Rosie, after having a baby, and this, and I've trained people from six months after having a baby up to five to 10 years after having a baby, and they're scared, Rosie. They, they are yeah. scared. They're, not, they're not just scared of the gym, right? I would say that's a tiny little factor. They're scared of how much their bodies are going to be able to handle and the negative impact that exercise might have on the body. So could mm -hmm. you give some pointers, please? Yeah, so I think the, the, the first thing is, is realising that the pregnancy itself changes your body beyond like anything that you can quite ideally kind of think about. I think if you are scared, there's, there, there's going to be a reason why. So if you are feeling that you are not able to do certain things or certain exercises give you the fear, so if Simon was saying we're going to do some jumping jacks just now or we're going to do some box jumps and everyone looks at you and goes, I can't do that. Or deep down in yourself, you don't say you can't do it, but you carry on and you're leaking and things. It's not a sign that you should stop it. But I think for most females, if you're fit and you're active, come and see a pelvic health physio, like get a full checkup of those muscles and tummy, get a full checkup of your, of your pelvic floor. Like I actually assess girls lifting weights. I get a kettlebell in, I get to lift some weights while I do my assessment. My abdominal muscle is all about overloading at the level that you're at. And it's really hard to say exactly what to do coming in at six months because someone could be like three babies or someone could be one baby and someone could be like forceps or someone could be a C-section. So all the different things and different deliveries really kind of change how you might recover. I would say the first basis is making sure you feel able to walk through that door. And if you've got any doubts in your head, there's a reason why you've got doubts. So I would want to know why those reasons were. And not being scared to seek out pelvic health as you like, I love to see you postnatally. And even if that's like 10 years postnatal, I still love to see you. And so does your body, because if your body's seeing me now, it will help you for when you get older and you hit menopause. So I think to know your body at a really, really good time recovery stage after a baby is a really good excuse as seeking out pelvic health physio, even if it isn't me and one of someone else, but I would really guarantee to do that. Um, I think you're... Also, your physio should always drive forward that they want you to get back to exercise. I'm a huge advocate for strength training in females. I can't sing its praises enough. 
Um, I don't think with regard to being postnatal, you're lifting the buggies, lifting the prams, you're lifting the children off the floor, you're cleaning, you're hoovering, you're doing work. You know, you're so physically active as it is to have good strength there or your pelvic floor. It helps to have strong upper body. It helps to have strong legs and strong glutes. Um, so I think the first thing we've got kind of maybe a, a kind of movement screening pattern from you, maybe like have a look, Simon, just how are you moving? Can you hip hinge? We lose the hip hinge ability, you know, when you're pregnant. So the hip hinge into your squat and into your deadlifts and into your um, single leg. So like maybe split squats and lunges and things and have a look at the big movements first of all. From overhead press, like rib cage involvement as well. So just have a look at all that kind of bigger movements. And just my body body weight kind of foundation level, first of all. And I would use a box quite a lot for squatting because squatting seems to be a massive fear for the postnatal population. It's like, oh, I can't squat. But actually, if we look at the evidence and research, girls that lift heavy weights do have a less of a chance of prolapse symptoms than females that tend to avoid lifting heavy weights. And that's because you're adapting, you're overloading your body to accept intra-abdominal pressure. If you avoid those heavy lifting weights because of fear of, of, of doing any damage, we actually know that slightly lifting lighter weights isn't very good for you. So you do want to get back into that heavy load. We do say from roughly about eight weeks postnatal, you can start lifting about 14 to 15 kilograms. Obviously, that's very susceptible in who your population is coming to see you. But I suppose for most of your clients, they have been active in their pregnancy. So lifting kind of weights and bigger movements is probably my go-to, first of all. Overloading the core, I go for a lot of isometric holds, so a lot of trunk flexion holds, a lot of hollow holds, um, and I modify a lot. Again, though, this is very, very different to each female that you might see. Um, and the, the big thing for me is using your diaphragm, like using your breathing as well. Us as females have got three holes down below and our anatomy is very, very different to males. So I think when you're lifting those heavy weights, you need to be able to modify your intra-abdominal pressure really early on. So I would say for anyone coming back into the gym, you're wanting them to really breathe out on the effort so they feel they're alleviating that pressure. And actually, chances are, if they're having leakage or having heaviness, that would probably change a lot of how they're feeling. Um, so using your diaphragm a lot as well in the gym. Hopefully that kind of makes sense, but um, I think from a core point of view, you, you need to be kind of, your back shouldn't be sore and you shouldn't be doming or bulging down your midline. Um, if you're seeing that in your midline, a kind of peaking format or a doming of the muscles in the midline, that's just suggesting that maybe that exercise is too difficult for you. But someone coming in and lying on their back might find that a lot, a lot harder than going into a plank, you know? So it depends on the patient coming in to see you. And I think actually a lot of plank positions higher up. So with elevation, you know, and press ups with elevation, I would, be, I would be doing all these things early on postnatal, even from eight weeks. But if they haven't been in a gym in a while and they are concerned, I'd be wanting to know why they were concerned and what exercises in particular were they concerned about? Was it impact or was it the lifting and lifting aspect? Okay, perfect. So what we're saying is after you have your baby and you are having thoughts of going back to the gym, first and foremost, you want to make sure you feel comfortable before you step through the door. If you don't feel comfortable, then there is people like yourself, Rosie, who are specialists mm -hmm. in, uh, yeah. in the field where they can come and see you, you can assess them with a 
fountain of knowledge and point them in the right direction, whether that's giving them the tick in the box and saying, get in the gym, you're fine, or whether that's saying, right, this is the problem, don't worry about it, we can do X, Y, and Z to fix it. Yeah, it's all about modification. So even if they wanted to get into the gym, like at six, eight weeks when we had a prolapse, I could totally get them into the gym and doing stuff. <laughs> so it's not anything that should hinder you. Um, it should be something that you're want, like, you know, it's really good for your mindset as well. I can't explain it as enough for your aesthetics and body image and your confidence and just sleep and just everything. Um, but for me, it's really checking what, what's going on just there. Okay, what level are you at? And how do you check yourself in the gym to make sure you're, you're doing okay? And what things are you looking out for that would make me quite concerned as a pelvic health physio if you were experiencing any of those things, being like, do you know what? This level's a bit hard right now. Can't quite do it. Um, I'm going to modify it. It's all about modification. Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. And then you talk you talk a lot about strength training um, after after pregnancy or after after birth. Sorry, after they've had the children. Why is it that you think strength training is so important? And when you say strength training, right? I'm going to tell you what somebody who's not been in the gym thinks right now. <laughs> hey, that new mom thinks that she's going to come in, lift up a hundred kilo barbell, and have to push it up above her head. Right? That's what she thinks mm -hmm. strength training is. Now, me and you both know that that's not what strength training is, right? And we know that strength training doesn't mean massive heavy weights. No. Yeah. So can yeah. we just explain a little bit for any of the ladies maybe who have had a baby and maybe don't really know the ins and outs of the gym and they're thinking about going in and, and then they know now that they need to do a form of strength training. Can you just explain yeah. why you recommend it and what sort of strength training yeah, so I think the first thing is strength tra Strength in general. Your strength in your body is the reason you can walk. It's the reason you can walk up hills, to stand off a chair, get off the floor, push the pram, push the pram, walk the dog at the same time. Um, it's, it's the reason also, but for bone density, for muscular endurance, we know that people with strength have usually got better outcomes regarding getting back into the gym after pregnancy and we also know they have better recruitment of their pelvic floor and their muscles so back to someone in this, this that's been a strength trainer or just on general strength training usually that pelvic floor is working a lot better than that, someone that avoids it and as i said as well it challenges your internal pressure it challenges your core and it challenges your body and overloading that gradually gets better so for an example of strength training very early on postnatal, body weight is what I tend to recommend. So just the weight of your own body, moving it up and down into a squat format, lifting your bottom, say, for example, off the floor and back down again, um, single leg work, doing little dips of your knee, clam work. Strength training is just using those muscles through contraction. Um, as that becomes easier and you're not finding it challenging, you want to add some resistance to that. But early on in your postnatal recovery, we're looking for like maybe two, three kilogram weights, you know, um, or two, eight kilogram weights. What, what is strength for me? You, you know, I can squat 100 kilos back, squat for five and be fine. But for my neighbor beside me, she might think, what? So maybe her strength for her is just using the barbell for 20 and, and doing five reps. And that's totally fine. So for me, postnatally, I might need a bigger weight to be more challenged. 
then someone that hasn't done any strength training in the pregnancy and then they're coming in postnatally. And I think females also need to realise if they haven't exercised in pregnancy, there's loads of reasons why you don't, but um, but I think most things it's kind of fear and sickness as well. But if you haven't moved, then you're going to be finding things a lot harder when you do go back into having a baby again. So don't try and compare yourself to how you were five years ago. Think how you have been over the last 10 months, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, generally just building up press-ups on the wall, totally fine. Press-ups on a table, absolutely fine. I'd rather you do that than have press-ups on the floor. But um, yeah, I think strength training can be all different aspects. Always about overload. And that can be from body weight to gradually inducing some resistance through bands or through dumbbells or through a barbell. And then you're wanting to increase the load even more each time on that barbell or pick up head dumbbells. So it's a gradual process. It's nothing that happens too quickly. Um, and I think for when you get, you lose a lot of muscle mass from, from 30 and from 35 years, our cycle is starting to... <laughs> hate to say it things come a bit slower we're hitting that menopausal changes i hate to say from the age of 35 it has been seen these changes are happening and for bone density osteoporosis um pelvic floor weakness um, and mood strength training is excelling itself and outcomes for when we're older so setting the ground running now nice and early will set you in good stead for when you're older i can't say enough and it even like injury prevention so like running if you want to run again, you have to do, I always encourage strength training before you run postnatally because you need that power in your legs to compensate that those movements. Fantastic advice. Fantastic. And very well explained. Very well explained. Okay. Now we are running closer towards the end, right? So um, I wanted to dive into that a little bit more and I want to be the person now that has had their baby and I'm coming back to training and I am in the gym and Rosie, maybe I was a little bit fit before, but I'm struggling. I feel like, um, I don't feel like I have any strength in my abdominal muscles. I get sore back in mm -hmm. a lot of movements. Are you going to reassure me that this is going to take time and it needs to be a steady pr process and not to just avoid everything like the plague? Or are you going to say to me, everything where your back sore, you need to dodge it? Yeah, I wouldn't say dodge it at all. No, absolutely not. What I would say is modification, though. So if if your back's getting sore, so I call them like long lever exercises. So say, for example, a postnatal mum comes to see me and dead bugs are just like straight arms and straight legs and my back's getting really sore, my back's getting really tight. I feel it in my back, my tummy, I don't feel my core at all, I feel it on my lower back. Well, I would say to her, right, we'll say a bit, rather than doing straight legs, why we bend the knees and just tap one foot down, other foot down and try and shorten the levers. It's the first thing. I'd be saying to you, well, when's your back getting sore? Is it more lying on your back? Are you getting pain when you're doing planks? And okay, planks on the floor. Can we modify that into planks on the bench instead? Does that feel better? Great. The next thing I try and say is soften your back. A lot of people with back pain actually grip through their lower back during exercises and because it's a psychological fear as well you know your back gets 
clothes, etc. What better tighten everything up? And tightening just isn't good for postnatal mums. Um, so I would want to try and see if you make your back nice and soft. Can you try and almost like tilt your pelvis, try and lengthen your back a little bit? So tuck that tailbone down to the floor kind of aspect to try and grow some length of the muscles through your lower back. The other thing is that lower back pain in postnatals and in females in general is a slight link to pelvic floor dysfunction. So I'd be also maybe suggesting a pelvic floor assessment with lower back pain as well, because sometimes if you're bracing a lot from the front and the back, it just means that the downstairs muscles aren't quite able to do the level of exercise that you're trying to do along your abdominal wall. So I'd be playing a wee bit if she has any other symptoms like leakage or heaviness or pressure or anything or even painful intercourse, anything like that going on, I would really want to get in for a pelvic floor assessment and then try and use that assessment into the harder exercise and see actually does that feel easier now for you. Um, so yeah, I think levers, shorten levers, challenging positions that feel good for you, soften that back as much as possible. And if anything else is going on, then do get checked out and then progress your checkup into the gym for you so you're functioning well. Very sound advice. Very sound advice. And like we say, Rosie, isn't it? And this is something that um, something that I preach in the gym a, a hell of a lot. And, and with everybody in general, like, if you can't manage something at 100%, then go at the percentage what you can manage it. And then that yeah. percentage will gradually increase over time if... You can't, and listen, I know we're talking about different things now, but if we just put it in terms of anything, if you can't manage a press up, uh, if you can only manage one press up one day, then just do one press up. If you can manage two on another day, then do two, and that might go into three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And sometimes we can overcomplicate things, can't we? Especially when it yeah. comes to something like postnatal after a baby. Everybody's giving you all this advice and they're telling mm -hmm. you can't train like this, you can't train like that. What are you doing in the gym? You've had a baby. Oh, you've not trained for years. You shouldn't be doing that. You should just be mm -hmm. doing this. And it's all this overwhelming information that, that makes us almost almost scared of doing certain yeah. things. And question as well. I think everyone questions everything as well after a baby. And you do worry. And it obviously, it's a kind of sensitive issue, isn't it, as well, post-baby? And I, the biggest issue that I've seen, not even having a baby, but for me, was like looking back at what I, what I could do five years ago and thinking that I could still do that now. And actually, I can't. And just thinking, do you know what? I get a much better exercise out and I feel that I've engaged the muscles the right way if I'm doing a, a level that's suited to me. Whereas if you're doing a level that's too hard and it's sore everywhere through your body, you're not going to get the benefits through that. So, yeah, I think taking it each day and actually getting back into the gym is one of the best things for you postnatally, especially from a mood aspect. It's huge. Have yeah. some time out yeah. from the baby. 100% agree. Being a uh, partner to Alison, who, and we have our two year old, um, I, I know how important having your own time as a mother is. And what better way to spend it? Then in the gym with somebody <laughs> like myself um, coaching you through a quad <laughs> session. <laughs> yes, but it is, it's great. I, mean, I would love that if I was a postnatal mum. Because even if, you, even if you're really tired, at least you're there telling them what to do and they haven't got to think about it. And, you know, it's great. Come in, or even come in for a half an hour and then, you know, it's, and you're even your happy endorphins and you'll walk out with your head higher as well, like after that session. So the idea of it, I can understand, feels over, overwhelming. But I think once you're in, the, how you feel coming out, it's so much more worth it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, absolutely fantastic, Rosie. Really, really, really great information for for our ladies and for our mommies and future mommies. Mm. Uh, it, it really is. It, it's it's fantastic to hear, Rosie. And I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna give um, every single one of our listeners some some really, really, really sound advice. And not just the females, the the men that will listen as well, the partners, the friends, mm-hmm. uh, the fathers who can now sit back and uh, just, I suppose, understand a little bit more and be able to be able to recognize their partners or, or their friends, whatever it may be, uh, be able to understand the different phases that they're going through and also be able to help them with it as well, um, mm-hmm. which I think is very important, that, especially uh, partners and close friends, that you're, that you're able to share things like this. So it makes it a little bit easier, um, yeah. a little bit more manageable. I think, I think- Sometimes partners kind of, <laughs> if they know cycle quite well, they can ask more difficult questions in the first two weeks and then don't ask the difficult questions in the last two weeks. Yeah, so if you want a night out with the lads, ask yeah. it the first two weeks, not the last two. <laughs> and early, and then don't ask it again. Yeah, it's funny. It's, um, yeah, if you know, if you know it, it, it helps in many ways, your partner and, and obviously yourself as well. But yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Um, and from from me and what I would like to say, especially to the females listeners, um, being a male PT, uh, somebody with a beard and an ex-military background who you might think, oh, my God, the last thing I want to do to it is go and see to Simon about my period. Right. Trust me, we are very thick skinned, every single professional in my trade. And we're also very understanding. So if you are seeing somebody who genuinely cares about you and you are training with them, then do not be scared to share. Okay. And if you're in a session um, and this goes for everybody postnatal or just female in general, and you are having a bit of a wobble or a bit of a struggle with something and you think it might be hormone related or postnatal related, then don't be scared to stand up and go and say, listen, I, I can't manage that or, or I don't want to do that. Like, don't be scared to speak your mind. Never push through something that's uncomfortable uh, and never put yourself in a situation that makes you feel um, feel more vulnerable than, than, than you definitely should, okay? It, sh- it shouldn't be a scary or daunting place in the gym or having a PT. You should always feel comfortable about them. So make sure you're with the right person that you can speak to because it will, it will, certainly, um, it will certainly be a lot more beneficial. Agree, Yes, absolutely. It'll make you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to go back. <laughs> go back again. Of course. If, you know, if you're having a terrible time. But chances are, if you're postnatal and saying, I can't do that, there might be a few, the rest of the people in the gym being like, oh, actually, I can't do that either. Yeah. 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 The first person. Okay, Rosie. I have absolutely loved listening to you and, um, tapping into your your wealth of knowledge you really are an expert in the field and it's and it's lovely and very refreshing to hear for somebody who is um is a, a gym freak uh, somebody your specialist subject talking so much about weightlifting and nutrition and the, the positive impact on it so for everybody listening can you tell us where we can find you on social media again and where we can find you at your place of work um, so that if anybody does want some help off you or even so that everybody can just go and give you a follow and sponge more of your knowledge, that would be great. Yeah, yeah I would love that. I, 
I do share so much as well. I use Instagram as a huge information platform. So um, if you want to know more about anything or even have got a slight question, if you're saying to me, oh, I was listening to the podcast, West End Workouts, want to give me a little message about anything at all that you're not sure of, you're kind of concerned about, then please do it. Um, so I think Instagram-wise, it's a very long name. I didn't think about this when I made my business. Silly me. Um, so it is my full name. So Rosie Davy and physiotherapy that's all it is just one word um instagram and facebook and the website's the exact same but it's got www at the start and then dot com at the end and you'll find all contact details with regards to that as well through my email but i'll respond through facebook messenger instagram messenger and through my email as well i'll respond to all all things and where i'm based i think Close to Simon and close where you're where you are, Simon. I'm at um, I'm in Jordan Hill, so just beside Jordan Hill train station, beside the Soho um, restaurant. So that's West End Physio, um, where I'm based, and I am based at the Strong Like a Mother Gym in Kenning Park. Um, and obviously, don't have to be a gym member or anything like that to get access to that clinic. And luckily for me, clinic is still open just now regarding um, kind of being in a, a kind of helping the NHS with regards to appointments just now. Um, my days are changing as well, so I'm moving to two days NHS soon. So I'll be working um, Saturdays privately as well, as well as more days from the week. So that's exciting. Um, and the Pilates class that we were talking about earlier on, Simon, um, I'm starting that again. In March time as well, so I, I do do Pilates as well, with the hope to do more in the future, um, but I haven't quite left the NHS fully just yet, so <laughs> that's the plan. But yeah, I hope to obviously reach out to me, tag me if you've listened to the podcast, I'd love to know um, what your thoughts were in first podcast for me, so I hope you've enjoyed listening to my voice. And that hasn't been too much information um, overboard as well, and thanks so much again to Simon for inviting me on to the podcast. Thank you, Rosie. It has been um, absolutely brilliant and I'm sure everybody is going to absolutely love it. So thank you again. And thank you so much. We'll need to get we'll need to get you on another time because I, I could have kept going. <laughs> um, we'll just call this part one and then we will come back to sponge even more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If there's any more stuff that anyone wants to know, then please, please, please shout because I cannot talk more highly of pelvic health than I do. I absolutely love my job. So I'm I'm really, really passionate about it. I'm really lucky as well to love it. So yeah, please do. I've really enjoyed it. Brilliant, Rosie. I'm going to sign this off now.